Hello and welcome to Bad End Podcast. This is episode number 118. It is I, your host, Josh Calixto. Kyle's still out. If people are concerned about the state of Kyle's health, it has been a very long time since we've been on the air. Uh, do not fear. Kyle's in great shape. He's just a very busy person. He's had, I, I've mentioned this on the last episode, but he's had just like super significant life changes, uh, a lot of stuff that he's, you know, he's being, he's being a responsible adult and he's been wanting to come on the show. Um, but getting a hold of him, I feel like before, uh, like all these big life changes happened recently, he was like already difficult to get a hold of, uh, but now even more so. So, but I wanted to get back on the airwaves back in the mix. Uh, and so we are doing an end of 2022 episode because it just, it simply would not be right if we weren't back on for the end of the year conversation. But um, joining us today are a few listeners, actually. The lifeblood of this show is the people who listen, the people who um, are part of our community. And uh, we have three guests right now, and then we'll have a few more later. Um, but today we're joined by Devin Raposo. We have uh, Icaw, and we also have Matthew Wedig. Yeah, say hello, y'all. Hello, I'm Ika. Hi, Devin Raposo, uh, longtime freelance writer of the games. I'm Matthew Wedig. I wrote for Kill Screen once. Um, Can't do that anymore. That being said, that was a long time ago. We are now in the year 2022, which is wild to me because I think it's safe to say we live in this like slightly post-COVID world. Like 2021 was like we were kind of dipping our feet back in a little bit and getting used to things. This year has like been a big adjustment year and one of the strangest years of my life when it comes to like what the world looks and feels like. And I think that's very much been reflected in the video games. I don't know if you all agree if, if what's happening in video games is completely separate from COVID. Um, but to me, it feels like there's a lot of stuff going on in games that is like a consequence of this weird, bizarro world state we're in right now. Yeah, I feel like this was the year that we saw the result of a lot of the like, not to get to like games industry nerdy, but like a lot of the like COVID delays. And I yeah, I, I feel what you mean where it, it almost feels like everyone's like waiting for 2023, like in the macro, you know, beyond just gaming. Like everyone's like, oh, 2023, that's going to be the year. Going to go to Japan, going to do this, going to do that. And it's like, ah, uh, 2023, that's the year. Going to finally get that Zelda, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it, this has definitely felt like waiting in the wings. In fact, I think that it would have felt like an almost throwaway year if Elden Ring hadn't come out. Does that sound right? Milestone releases, yeah. I can get, I can get behind that. I just can't I feel like... For you to say, I was waiting for you to say Pokemon Arceus, and I was like, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> apparently that's the only game I played this year. <laughs> I can't believe that came out this year in addition to what what was the new one Scarlet and Violet? Yeah, the one that came out like a week ago. Yeah. We did get yeah. two, you know, dream Pokémon games theoretically, you know, to child Josh they were dream Pokémon games. And we did get two of them in the span of the year and they just kind of went by. I don't want to say without consequence, but they definitely did not like shatter expectations the way that I think one might have thought they would have when they were younger maybe i like um 
I mean, this is like super rep like small, like representative of like who I talk to. I don't talk. I have like three friends who play video games, but <laughs> um, people like I was talking with a bunch of people about Pokemon RCS, like people who, like I just like had not been talking about video games with were like, like this is like a sustained of conversation, which is why weirdly it feels to me like both like, oh, yeah, that came out, but also like. Well, obviously, that's the game of the year. It's the only thing that everyone was playing. All two people I talked to about video games. To me, that game was Elden Ring, but I think Elden Ring was also like a pretty gamer's game. Um, yeah, you can't say that about Pokemon. Yeah, it's... You're it's, not wrong. It is open to more people, though, in general. Um, it's just that the Arceus uh, shtick, I think, feels like it's... It's such a new recipe for the Pokemon series that it's hard to know like how big it hit outside of like the core gamer sphere that like I guess I usually associate myself with or at least that I like pay more attention to. So like a lot of the impact on and what circles that it had an effect on are kind of to an extent more invisible to me than something like Elder Ring would have been. It's a weird thing where I heard that Scarlet and Violet were like the fastest selling Switch games ever or something along those lines. Wow. That um, makes sense to me. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and even in the midst of like all the technical problems, like it feels like in, on, in our corner of the universe, that stuff dominated the conversation, right? Like all the memes. Right. Here, oh, he, he did a, like a weird face and it, you know, got stuck and here's all this crazy popping, but like. I feel like that's one of those games that and like Splatoon 3 where it's like they come out and they sort of like occupy their own, you know, corner of the world that is, is hard to make sense of when you're in this like gamery kind of like this, you know, hanging out with critics in a discord space, you know, which just it's just not what we are used to. Do you think this is partially a Nintendo thing, though, because Nintendo has always been isolated from like the rest of video game industry bullshit and it kind of feels like the same story for them this year which honestly it seems to benefit them more every year that they can kind of operate in this bubble and do their own thing and still be really successful and I guess Pokemon by extension to the Pokemon company um, they don't need to have these like massive platform games to succeed uh, and in a year where it it's starting to feel more and more like the rest of the industry needs that in order to have like any sort of impact whatsoever, um, it's they were able to kind of effectively create these bubbles for themselves by just like staying in their lane and doing what they do best, almost. What's your definition of massive platform game? You're talking about like God of War Ragnarok. Oh no no um I'm talking about like the the oh like live platform sorry yeah yeah yeah. Yes, so, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So something like, you know, even Marvel Snap, which is the new one that uh, we're currently obsessed with in our Discord. Um, but there's so many, like all the ones that have been around forever, some of the, the newer ones like Valorant, you have, you know, um, any game that's been out for a long time that receives extensive updates, that's kind of the norm for games now. It's what everyone plays. And so it almost feels like harder to to find these like big single player triple a releases that have a significant impact and really this this holiday season i remember the holiday season used to be 
like and this isn't just this isn't me being nostalgic or whatever i'm just saying there's been some kind of a shift which is like during the holidays it was like you had like a few massive games that were coming out every year and it was like something you kind of looked forward to and now like even god of war ragnarok was like it's the sequel that didn't feel like it was like an earth-shattering release again you know it got attention but it's nowhere near something like a you know the new modern warfare patch or whatever i i I don't know it it just it feels like we've we're there now we're at that point where like the single player triple a game is not the center of the video game universe anymore in a way that's like really clear in front of us for us to see well it's this weird thing where like so god of war ragnarok um was like the fastest highest selling playstation studios game ever apparently or that was according to like a a graphic they put out but i do agree with you where like it you know we're a month out from its release and it feels like it kind of came and went like that's a kind of the kind of game that you play once and you go uh that was okay all right bye um and you know maybe you like chat a little bit about it with your friends but it it they have inherent shelf life And, like, it's this weird thing where, like, they've been working on that game since probably even before God of War 2018. Uh, And yet, like, I saw a Sony Santa Monica employee who, you know, they're the studio that made the game, basically say something to the uh, effect of of what we're talking about, where it's like, isn't it weird how quickly that came and went? Whereas, you know, like you said, Josh, like, these games like Marvel Snap are like, you know, people are talking about the new Fortnite uh, season or whatever it is. Like they dominate the conversation in a way that God of war just can't because it's like a static thing. Right. And it's the industry has been heading in this direction for, you know, years now. Um, So it's definitely nothing new, but I think um, in, in previous year end discussions that we've had on this show and that I've had on bullet points, our uh, sibling podcast, go check them out bullet points monthly. We've talked about, you know, the, the end of video games as we know them and how these platforms are kind of taking over what we used to think of, of as video gaming. And um, it, it feels like it's here. Like it doesn't feel like it's the end of the world, but it definitely does seem like we live in a very different world and 2022 is really the year i think for me where it's become clear that like we simply live in a different world when it comes to games uh we're not going to have that like holiday rush of different releases with new ips being introduced like dude new ip is freaking that's you get that maybe once every protocol years oh jesus that's gonna slip in as the big seller this year there's probably some truth to that yeah maybe maybe a lot of this is that like i don't care about a lot of these games that have gotten sequels this year like if it was zelda or something i might have been like gaming's back baby but it, it would just be another sequel to these games but because it's like horizon forbidden west i'm just like all right dude do your thing go off horizon fucking go off god of war ragnarok i i actually have been playing God of War Ragnarok and good lord have you all played this game no it's a slog dude like I am every couple hours I spend playing this I'm like they needed this game needed to be shorter it doesn't feel like anything's happening 
like i there's all this plot occurring and i'm none of it has any like significance or impact to me whatsoever all the characters are like super meh and and i, I don't know it, it feels like very bad prestige tv i i felt like the first one was definitely better uh god of war 2018 one thing that i feel like we don't really think about when it comes to video games is the extent to which games rely on scheduling and like just the circumstances of like how many years it takes to make these things and uh when they come around finally like it's just like they your numbers up and if you had a year where just the ones that were up were just just so happened to be the franchises that you didn't really resonate with then so be it and maybe this is just one of those years for me although it does feel like we have less this the carousel has like less seats on it than it used to um that's my like major trend of 2022. It, are we being joined by a, a wild Zach Coatser? It's possible. <laughs> What's up, Zach? Hello, everybody. Yep. Sorry, can y'all hear me? Okay, sorry, I was having some weird mic issues. I did play God of War Ragnarok, though. Okay. What What did you think? Uh, I think I probably liked it the most out of everybody in not just this chat or this the stream but um like our our discord but i definitely like the farther away i get from it and the more i talk about it with other people i definitely see the kind of like simmering mediocrity that you know in the moment you just sort of put blinders on sometimes and go oh you know i'm just like chilling out with this game like having a decent time and um now it's sort of like yeah that that story kind of sucked a lot of those characters were ass um there still just weren't enough like big um like god of war moments like when you think about like the old games how they were about like just tearing down titans and gods and like ripping them limb from limb you know not to sound like a psychopath but like that was kind of the appeal of those games was they were these like big set piece games even before uncharted sort of like took that mantle and now it's like you kind of have to like beg and plead for one of those moments. Yet the games are like, you know, this game's like five hours long, five five hours longer, five five times longer, excuse me, than the first game, uh, or twenty eighteen rather. Um, it's too or long. it's so, it's too long. Yeah, and I'm just like it's it's corny, and it feels like it feels very much like person who was an edgy edgy in their youth and then like got older and like now as a dad and they have to like be you know mature and shit but they i don't know a lot of the writing and stuff feels corny to me um the the combat and stuff is like the exact same shit so it's like it I, I it's not really giving me anything new in that department i have heard it gets better toward the end so i guess i'll i'm holding out for that but it's not it's just not really doing it for me right now but that's what we have to deal with. Let's uh what are y'all's favorite games of this year? Let's let's get into that. Ooh. Yeah. Uh you know, I I think I have like two that I'm split between. Um one is Neon White, which we had a kind of hot and heavy moment with in the Superculture Discord around when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um and I think y'all talked about it with Blakecaster. Yeah. But, you know, like one of my favorite gaming moments of this year uh 
was was definitely like just doing that one level from the first world or whatever over and over and over again yeah and like just trying to like beat y'all and then it's like oh my god i got like 0.05 seconds faster like i gotta drop the screenshot in there and then by the time you look it's like crap dude kyle's got me by four seconds josh has got me by 10 <laughs> when somebody comes through with that like 10 second skip oh my god like, whoa, dude. whoa 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 it's all changed and yeah then, and yeah yeah so well i was gonna say um you know like that was like one of my favorite moments but i felt like a lot of people i know stopped playing it you know like maybe got to like the third world at most mm-hmm. um but i ended up sticking with it and i actually kind of like started to feel okay about the writing i still think it's like not great it, it and it makes a really bad first impression the sort of like you know faux 90s vhs anime thing i don't know it, it it's even for people somebody that's like way into that sort of that era of of anime it's it's a rough kind of sell in itself but i think like the game just gets more complex while also still feeling straightforward you know it, it never like i think the the cards they introduce later on are really cool and the music just continues to be stellar from top to bottom yeah i don't know i i feel like that game was sort of forgotten um but i i think neon white is is really stellar and i think it, i think uh it does like one of my favorite things in a game which is this is a weird thing to say but like it ends really strong, which you really can't say for even like Elden Ring, which is a game I love. I, I kind of felt like it kind of like dragged itself to the finish line. Whereas Neon White, I was like, damn, this is like one of this, this last level is like one of the best things I've played in years. I've heard it's really good. It's, I, I got to yeah. get back and finish it because I did keep playing it too. I got like a few more worlds in and I, I kept on noticing it was it was like it continued to get bigger um and better and just introduced more like wild concepts that were just like that still made a lot of sense were still fun and I think like art style wise it it locked down this like low poly kind of PS2 reminiscent but clearly not PS2 level of fidelity um look really well and. It, it reminded me of like almost Paradise Killer or something, but in a way yeah. that was like a lot more cohesive and fleshed out. Um, and it's just it's just like one of the best movement shooters that I've ever played, like bar none, just because it it is so accessible and so fun just to like just cruise through a level and just like feel like you're getting better at it. But. Yeah, like it's it's easy to get good enough at it that you start to feel like oh i can be great at it right and you know you compare that to something like when like watching somebody play like a devil may cry five or something where it's like i will just never be able to do these like 800 hit combos and score like four billion points like some of these guys on youtube but you watch somebody you know like when you drop would drop in your your video playthrough of that one level you go i could do that right yeah all i gotta do is like i should have just looked left and shot this guy first instead of what i did Mm -hmm. and and that's like that's what gaming's all about brother i don't know what to say (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. What What was your other choice for game of the year? Oh sure. Oh, well, I don't want to hog, but um, you know, I I I was really impressed by Pentiment. Okay. Um, yeah, I have. To, with, I have to play that. Yeah, it's it's a game that it feels like a a really complete thought. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, you know, and to speaking of things that don't happen in games often, that doesn't happen in games very often. Right. And. You know, it's like it, it is kind of like a triple A studio thing. Like it's by Obsidian, but it feels like it's kind of got that like classic on like I don't know, like indie spirit where like this doesn't feel compromised in any way. And it's it's really just exactly what it is. Like it's it's kind of like a visual novel ish experience. Um there's like some side scrolling moving around, which admittedly gets a little tiresome, but yeah, I, I think it's a really incredible depiction of like 16th century Bavaria. Not that I know that much about that period, um, but like you know, if, if you like Name of the Rose, you know, it is a, a big literary touchstone here. Like, you're just gonna feel right at home. It's 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 one of those games that like makes you want to go read other books that were inspired by it, or, or or rather the other way, like that that it was inspired by. Um, right. Like Josh Sawyer did this like big list of five books. And I'm like, dude, like I, I want to read all of these now. I mean, I already read like Name of the Rose, but um, a little like mind expandy in a way, you know, not quite like Disco Elysium levels of like revelatory kind of like, you know, out of this body, out of body experience, like, you know, or whatever. But um, j- just a really... I feel like I'm saying a lot while while saying nothing because I don't really want to spoil anything. But you know, I really connected with the main character, um, and the way you you get to see this this small town over 25 years is 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 wild. Um, it's it's true. It's it doesn't feel like anything I'd ever played before. I feel like um, Card Shark also had this kind of like literary appeal to it you know like where Mm. a lot of other games don't seem to be influenced by books or like period films or you know this like older style of of speaking and 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 writing i would say but Mm -hmm. card shark also did that really well like the story it was telling and the way that it relayed that information felt a lot more similar to it's cool that they're able to reach into different places and different time periods for um, influence rather than just going back to the 80s which is like what most video games do when they're when they're referring to another time period um right or like generic medieval europe like this kind of right. is that but it's but it's it's so specific uh and it's it's historical touchstones and like every little moment feels deeply considered mm-hmm. you know you compare it to like what naoki yoshida said about final fantasy 16 which is a game I'm excited about, but you're like, well, it's just like Final Fantasy Castles. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, whatever. You can have black people in there. It's probably cool. Whatever. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought it was like stellar. Um, truly unlike anything I'd ever played before. Uh, Devin, what food did you want to eat the most in Pentiment? Um, the pottage. Yeah, agreed. The pottage. Mostly because mm. I've never, I don't think I've ever had pottage anymore. No, now it just either. seems like a nice warm little wooden bowl of something to slurp down. 
Yeah, there's all these like eating scenes. That's what that's what Zach is referring to, where like you just get to pick who you want to ha- chat and hang out with. Um, but you know, it's 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 almost like kind of a risk because like time's always moving forward. Um, so you know, th- they give you they do give you incentive to like replay it. Not that I don't know that I ever would. It's kind of long. I think that's maybe like my one big criticism of it is like it maybe felt like it could have ended a couple hours earlier or just like a couple a few conversations maybe could have been trimmed down just here and there like i was definitely kind of ready like you know okay let's let's move this along but um otherwise yeah i think pentiment's really strong did the ending like compel you to want to replay it because like you know knowing certain things that you know it's not it's not entirely clear of like if all roads lead to rome so to speak yeah i do think i'm pretty sure there's only like one ending per se but like how you get there can change like you know so you you play this you're kind of it's kind of a detective story you'll you'll sort of like accuse some uh you you can like interview people and accuse them of murder and you have a lot of influence because you play as this person of privilege um compared to like a lot of the peasants that that live in this little this town of of Kearsaw or or not Kearsaw Abbey right Tassing is the village and so like you know depending on on what choices you make they can have kind of like long uh, large ramifications on the rest of the game and because it's a game that takes place over three time periods across 25 years like if you choose to kill somebody they're dead right you're you're gonna miss all their conversations in you know after the nine year time skip or whatever it is so um again i i I typically just don't really replay games but i think there's there's enough meat here that i i could see myself doing it one day and and try to pick different things you know i wish more games were influenced by stuff like this it is not as like visually appealing i want to say as like something that's just more pretty and influenced by i guess more uh extravagant art styles but it, mm-hmm. it's like it's its own little world that i feel like would be really nice to get lost in for a bit and definitely different than anything you tend to see in other games and i, I do want more shit like that for sure um visually it, it kind of hems to you know certain 2d adventure games we've seen in recent history but i also think it, it has very strong moments visually as well the animations can be a little inconsistent. It's clear that like some moments got a lot more love than others, uh, animation wise. But... It's kind of nice seeing an art style that pulls from like in a video game that pulls from the time in history when they hadn't really figured out the concept of perspective yet. So yeah. it, it it's like yeah, it's it's fun watching a completely flat looking video game. It's one of those things where, like, when I saw the trailer, I was initially kind of put off by how it looked. But once you get in there and you sort of get accustomed to it, you, you, I, I personally like couldn't imagine it looking any other way. You know, Matthew, how about you? What was your, what are your top games of the year? I know you said you basically only played Arceus. <laughs> I think that the only game I played this year that actually came out this year is Pokemon Arceus. Like, looking through what else I played, I. What else, what else did I play this year? I played the Resident Evil 2 remake. It's a good game. I was trying to get into streaming a little bit. Yeah, I had I had fun. I only I only played half of it. I finished Leon's like bit, and I know that the game doesn't finish until you actually like 
play the other half as well. Boy, I find video games exhausting. Like, there's there's something very easy about how, like, I can be on a, an airplane and pull up Arceus and be like, I know I won't get lost. Like, nothing is of consequence in this game. It's just so easy to just dip in and out. But I played... I've been playing... I've been replaying Fantasy Tactics Advance. Uh, I replayed the, the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color. That was... That that holds up surprisingly well. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I started Persona Five. That's a long one. This was the year to like replay games, you know. Yeah, for sure. Which is wild because it was the time that like you know things were. It wasn't the year that we were all stuck inside playing video games. Mm -hmm. It's like we almost like had our fill of that, and now it's like you know maybe there's there's this back thing to take a look at i also started playing in other waters on an airplane and the flight attendant asked me about it and i was two minutes into the game and <laughs> i did not say anything coherent because that is a hard game to explain to video game people and the flight attendant was just like oh tell me about that and i was like i don't know yet it just started <laughs> speaking I mean, of in other waters we also got in uh citizen sleeper yeah by year. a super culture uh member Member, I guess I wasn't sure the word. Yeah, I really, I really like Citizen Sleeper. Yeah, it's great. Um, I I sat down to play it not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, and it was like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if I finished this in one sitting? And I kind of did. Like I, I got it and done in two, and uh, it's just, it's just, it's easy to get through, you know. Right. Um, it's 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 like a snackable book almost. Yeah, and I I love the way that. It's written. I, I love the art style. I think that Gareth did such a great job of writing this world. I mean, it's 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 very obviously in Gareth's style if you're familiar with them. But it just it's just so neat to see that come through in a video game, and it's just it's cool to see that come through with friends. Like I got to have that same sensation with Cantata earlier this year, although that's not like in its completely full finished form just yet. Um, just seeing your friends like come through in this writing is just, it's a really neat sensation. And it was really cool to see it in citizen sleeper um, and the art and the, the gameplay itself is awesome. I love the dice roll system. I love that. It's like this text adventure style thing that still uses like dice rolls and this kind of D and D inspired central mechanic to let you kind of do things based on what you roll. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, it, it's a little bit difficult to parse at first but once you like understand what's going on, it feels like it just flows so well. And you're just like in this completely alien system that you are able to use with some semblance of familiarity. And you're just, you just feel like you can just ex- extract so much more out of it because you're on that level with the game. And it, it like, it feels like you're engaging in, in a really neat and interesting way, which, which is totally an illusion, but one that I think is pulled off perfectly. Yeah, uh, I, I got an ending that I was pretty happy with, and I, I was really surprised how fully formed that ending felt. Like, usually games that offer a lot of endings, I, I guess this is just like a byproduct of, of this game being text-driven, which is kind of like less expensive to generate. But a lot of times it's like, do you want, you know, do you want a saver or do you want a, like, killer or whatever? It's You know, it's, you know what I mean? Where it's like you, yeah, you yeah. finish a game and it's just like you get a binary choice. 
and they don't all feel like coherent with the game's like thesis or message whereas you know i've only seen the one ending that i got but i it felt like fully realized and also a coherent realization of what the game is about you know like life under capitalism uh fascist you know techno state like whatever else and and yeah i mean everyone i've talked to about it who who's got like different endings kind of agrees so yeah it's it's just a really well realized experience from top to bottom so that's another one um zach or i call do you have any that you wanted to talk about you know my game of the year is dota of course <laughs> the only game i played a long time you know second place final fantasy origins uh stranger in paradise stranger stranger of paradise so. i want to play that i've got a copy <laughs> it's good i haven't played the dlc um the game doesn't really like it would say it's welcome i just um i never after a certain point i stopped playing any of the side missions because none of them matter and the game is already pretty easy but you know i had a good time playing it with my nephew watching he'd just like you know he'd be talking non-stop the entire time i played saying he's four years old are there any bad guys over there I don't see any bad guys over here. I think you should look over there for some bad guys. I think you should turn that bad guy into a crystal. Can you turn that bad guy into a crystal? Oh, you turn that bad guy into a crystal. It was just like that. that. That's basically equivalent to Jack himself, right? He's, he's kind of like a, a single-minded, like, exactly. I gotta kill chaos kind of dude. You know, my nephew yeah. didn't care about chaos, but he did care about the bad guys and whether they were, you know, turning into crystal or not. It, the game is like a gloriously knuckleheaded experience. It's um, it's I don't genuinely know, pretty I, funny. I, I, yeah, and I by mean... the end, I was also genuinely into the characters, and I was you know feeling their struggles. I liked it. You know, you feel for the characters, and it's funny. It's good stuff. After all the like sort of sophistication and prestige Final Fantasy has gone through, this feels like a, a sort of a looking glass on what could have been. Um, it feels so much like the kind of anarchy and design days of like the ps3 like there's all these new tools on the table and no one really knew what the right way to use them are so like the control scheme is like all over the place on this thing uh like the start button is the touchpad on the ps4 controller <laughs> <laughs> um, just... you talk with to people using the touchpad you press the touchpad to talk to them instead of like x or something mm -hmm. the towns are like menus right yeah that's so strange. That's yeah, it all it like no, it's it's beyond old school. Yeah, it just right. feels like they they swept everything off the table, and it's just like, what if we made a Final Fantasy game like it was still two thousand and eight, and and you hadn't made any of the other Final Fantasy games that had come out since then, and it, it's very pure. It's very pure of heart, and very much rocks in the brain, but also that's you know, what makes it so uncanny. And enjoyable and the combat is like a rush you know it's, it's like what if Dirge of Cerberus turned out to be like the most popular game ever or something yeah <laughs> this looks... I will say and one thing you have all these different classes and systems you can toy around with just to see like what'll make those uh annoying little goblins blow up better sage you know I love the sage in this where if you cast like you know three black magic spells and three white magic spells you can just obliterate everything on the screen felt good but the loot is probably the worst thing I've ever seen in any game ever. Has anyone interacted with the loot? How so? It's just I hear it's overabundant. Like, you get like eight items from every single enemy that drops. And they're all like 
the same item except they've got um bonuses but the bonuses are like oh if you have this item equipped it gives you plus 0.5 percent damage or this item gives you plus 0.8 percent resistance to poison and stuff like that now the good and... news is the menu does uh your equipment menu does have like an auto button yes. that'll like automatically give you the most efficient weapon you you've gathered and to make it even better um it shows you what your character looks like in real time so every time you press that button and you got a bunch of gear you get to just see how much dumber your character is about to look when you activate this <laughs> like they're suddenly going to be covered in like more leather straps or like a top hat and like uh or maybe a, like a witch's hat it really is like I'm... It's it's a thrill of a, a moment in just uh, a mall culture thrill. <laughs> I am so torn between whether that sounds like this like the peak achievement of video games or exactly why I kind of hate video games because I can really see both sides of it. That it is pure. Hilarious. It is pure unadulterated video games. There's no delusions of grandeur. You're like we're talking about like. You know how full of itself. And that's a games... good thing. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about yeah. like how full of itself like <laughs> games like the God of War series have become. And if you want the complete opposite of that, something that's just more like honest about what exactly it is, uh, never mind the fact that it stems from something like Final Fantasy, then this is it. Then you just yeah, it's uh you, you play as an angry man named Jack who shouts all the time, surrounded by basically uh Zoolander's friends. Um <laughs> and you just get progressively bigger swords, um, and every fight feels like either you're trolling the enemy or the enemy's trolling you. I, I feel like we never learned our lesson, I, or I should say I never learned my lesson, which is that like any time some kind of action game gets called broken or stupid or badly written, I need to just not pay attention, because like how many god hands did I miss over the years because of what like initial reviews said this is like i feel like this is i need to play this fucking game right now. you look like you're having a good time i'm watching the video oh yeah it, i mean i'm having a good time watching this trailer yeah 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 my my two favorite games of the year have, like basically both already been mentioned and they're kind of like spiritual opposites but they're both very confident in what they are and very coherent in their vision and that is Stranger of Paradise and Pentiment. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they're both scratching completely different itches, but yeah. they both feel like games that are exactly what they wanted, they set out to be. Pentiment does remind me of Disco Elysium, not just because it's like a well-written detective game, but it also kind of uses your expectations of a detective game against you in the fact that you are a, a really shitty detective. At the outset of Pentiment, you, like, choose a bunch of, like, stats and specialties that'll, like, decide, like, what your character studied before you started playing the game. And you might expect those things would, like, make you more adept to certain, like, clues or hints or, or dialogue paths. But I found they just make you, a, like, a more specific kind of asshole. Like, if you, if you decide, like, you're an expert in theology, because, you know, this is a game set in a monastery, that seems like something that would probably be pretty helpful... Uh, mostly it just unlocks dialogue options where you sarcastically quote the Bible. <laughs> Honestly, like what you're describing, Zach, this is like, this is the real power of video games that Jeff Keighley won't tell you about. You know, the fact that you could have Pentiment and 
Stranger of Paradise as both of your games of the year and have that make like total and complete sense is that's the magic of video games to me, you know? Yeah, it's it's pure gaming. Like, yeah, God of War isn't pure gaming. Uh, it's not. It just isn't. Uh, Stranger of Paradise is pure gaming. It is. It is using its shape and its form. It is using its clay to be the most it can be. And I felt the same way about uh, No More Heroes 3 last year. Right, right, right. And that, like, if video games are like a magician's hat, why are we just, like, pulling out realistic mailboxes out of them over and over again? You can do so much with your time here. You can do so much with this technology. You can you can bring anything to life. And instead, we're always hemming toward this, like, a specific, you know dumb vision that you know the the peak of video game the pinnacle of video games is like a serious ish norse fantasy like the the highest the highest prestige a video game can shoot for is like one of the hobbit movies yeah and even then it's like god of war feels even less confident in that now than it did in 2018 like it feels so much more marvel film quippy and stuff and like well it's it's just along the like uh assembly line of like sony refusing to make anything but the four video games are making that's where we that's where we, that's the universe we live in folks um you're I never th- gonna what? get another twisted metal you're certainly not gonna get a parappa and you're definitely not getting a tomba they're doing a twisted metal tv show oh yeah we'll get lots of tv shows we'll get a lot like <laughs> amazon just like buying the rights it's gonna it's like you know remember the early 2000s when everyone's like ang lee owns the rights to the marvel to the metroid movie it's gonna be that for everything and it's split between like amazon and hbo max y'all remember the last of us remake oh my goodness which one that was this year the ps5 one yeah the ps5 remake there's there's the future of the playstation is just like uh trapped in this time ebb (laughs) <laughs> of the last six years yeah and apparently they're doing it for horizon zero dawn as well yeah i think Great. weirdly the most shocking video game news i read this year is that apparently they are actually making grand theft auto 6 yeah right. and, and, the, the and the prototype got leaked yeah yeah i i yeah like i mean they they, they just kept remaking that for like what three straight like console generations i might be exaggerating but well, it sure it's, feels that way. It's not quite hey. as bad as Skyrim, but it's definitely the runner-up. Because we got, we got. Yeah, are, we, a... are we getting a Skyrim remake or something? If not, if they haven't confirmed that, it must be just around the corner. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough yeah. Skyrim releases over the years. Um, let's move on. Let's. I'll, I want to talk about Elden Ring, but I, I'll do that with the next group. Is I that your goatee? I, I honestly haven't even figured out what my goatee is, but. It could be. You've been hard on that Marvel Snap. I mean, it's it's a great game, but I don't think I I would feel bad calling a card game my goatee because I'm obviously biased, and it's not it's not a bad end pick, you know. Mm. I have no Legends pl- of Runeterra. You know, as Libra Revision is. Pretty oh lit. yeah, yeah, this <laughs> that game. game. That game is pretty lit. Highly recommend that if you like JRPGs dumb jrpg action rpg things pretty similar to stranger of paradise probably but with like that that aesthetic that kyle referred to so lovingly as quote shit after i tried to describe it as like (laughs) final fantasy for a mobile game version aesthetic we have a couple games like marvel snap and splatoon 2 are like the games i sank the most hours in but I, i get what you're saying josh it's 
Yeah, it's like just because you spent a lot of time with the game doesn't mean it's like the best game. I think there's more to it than that. Like giving a Michelin star to popcorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or hot dogs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's go for like a couple questions. We got some questions. What is the closest thing in video games to Avatar Way of the Water? Duke Nukem Forever, isn't that it? Horizon. Horizon's pretty close. Aesthetically, like they're very like one to one, but also just like in terms of people being like, oh man, like this is such a deep cutting political message. And you're like, what, dude? They're just saying like some real basic stuff about imperialism in in an avatar and then horizon is just like there's like a fake elon musk character yeah also like, like whatever very quietly and also like kind of loudly a game that got a lot of attention to the point where you were kind of surprised at how much attention it got to the point where the it got a sequel that you weren't necessarily expecting i think that's also consistent with that too it's a- and also sort of like also like passed by right like i remember horizon one came out and then breath of the wild came out right next to it and that was all anyone talked about and then similarly again with this year forbidden west it came out right next to elden ring which was all anybody talked about and her and you know avatar like is it, it's this weird thing where it sold super well but we don't really look back at avatar as like yeah a, a, in that kind of echelon of movie you know yeah not at all not even close to like James Cam- James Cameron's other movies. No, it's no Criterion Channel pick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the okay, another question. The quote new gen has been out for two years now. PS5 released November 2020, and is there really any distinguishing factor for why people should buy new systems? Do I mean, you like frame rate, and do you not have enough money to get a PC? Yeah. Do you want then... a, a really ugly ob- white obelisk in your living room? Yes. I hate that I kind of like how it looks. I do too. I like it. It. I saw one in person for the first time yesterday in somebody's house and it's it's unsightly to me. Like it's it's just way too big, dude. Every time like I a, look at mine. It looks like mine, a pool toy. You don't know what it does though. Like it's floating just, it at the public those, pool. I mean, it's definitely one of a, a, a glorious return to like when video game consoles could look real embarrassing. That's true. Engage I'd, hours. It reminds me of the PS3, the yeah. original, the OG PS3. I like that, that it's not just a rectangle. Energy. No, the Series X, like you look at it, it's just, it's literally just like a rectangle. It's just like a stretched cube. It, you know, people call that a garbage can and yeah, it kind of looks like one. Whereas the PS5, it doesn't really look like anything else. Like, yeah, it's vaguely rectangular, but also like weirdly misfigured. I don't know. It looks overwatchy. Oh God, you're going to make me dislike it now. It has the oh, <laughs> the PS. It has the like the first uh, the pre slim model PlayStation console uh, thing where like it looks too big. Like they needed to fit in shit that, and they needed space for it, so they had to just stuff it in. But they but they're clearly gonna make it smaller later. It has that bloated look to it. Like the PS Five Slim is gonna look dope for sure it's an engineering marvel haven't you watched the videos where the sony engineers are like it swooped like this to go and encourage airflow to keep it cool i was gonna say who told you that the ps5 engineers yes (laughs) jesus they haven't really done a good job of justifying like these consoles not at all no i mean like why would you get a playstation or an xbox i mean feels like 
the Switch makes the best case for itself, and it's like not even banking on any sort of next-gen hardware. I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about, like, you don't really see, like, the release, like, revolving around, like, oh, there's, like, a sort of, like, AAA single-player, like, adventure you can sink your teeth into, like, anymore. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what they even come out out on anymore it's like kind of the same thing where it's like i don't know what is on ps5 or the new xbox that i still can't remember the name of like i couldn't just have some kind of access to with what i already have and i think i mean like the turning point's gonna be like eventually you know there will be something on it but it's kind of wild that it's been two whole years and I mean, there's just like it's... nothing to say about it it's funny to think that, like, because Sony's so determined to, like, make this one cycle of video games, that if you haven't already been convinced by these five games they put on the PS5, then what do, who, what new market do they expect to tap here if it's just going to be the same the same five pieces of software over and over again? I remember well, this also... happening when, like, the PS4 and stuff came out, but it didn't feel like it lasted this long back then. I remember there was a whole, like, oh, the PS4, it's not backwards compatible. It's, like, what's the point of this? What justifies this system? But that conversation kind of ended in not a very long amount of time, and now it still feels like we don't even know these things are out. Like, Josh I mean, was I... just saying, oh, I saw a PS5 for the first time the other day. Mm -hmm. It's been out for two years. <laughs> There's all this hubbub about, like, new Xbox games going up in price of $70. When's the last time you bought one? When's the last time it didn't just go straight to Game Pass anyways? Yeah, especially one that you actually cared about. Like, that's their mm -hmm. whole value proposition now. Is that it, It's like, it seems to be cannibalizing itself in a way where they're like, oh, the latest games are on Game Pass for your PC also. So if you have PC, you could do it on there. But yeah, because... Yeah, the, but you don't need to do it on the Xbox. But if you have an Xbox, it's still cool. Like, it's this weird... They're trying to get everybody's monthly money, but they also kind of want to sell consoles, but now it's not as big of a deal to them. And then, like, PS... Like, the PlayStation 5 is in another realm where they're, like, they haven't really gotten there, but they're still trying to get there. I don't know. Man, it, there's definitely no real great value proposition there still. But what I also still find funny about all that whole thing is that I still kind of want a PS5. I'm like, ah. Because you're a gamer, Josh. I want to play Returnal. You're a gamer. You, you can't ah. shake it. I, I managed good. to not play Returnal for three years or two years or however long it's been. But, well, maybe I still need to. I don't I know. Like, yeah, when, when Final Fantasy 16 comes out, that's like the big first. You got to have a PS5. You don't think game. it'll be out on PS4? I mean, no. it won't? Oh, okay. I, I think uh, Death Stranding prequel uh, comes out for the PS7, you know? That's when you're going to have to get a PS5. Yeah, my fucking Death Stranding Force machine. Um, Let's talk about... Icaw wanted to talk about some anime, so let's let's wrap up with some anime here. Ooh. I'll say one quick thing about the previous topic. I think, you know, because of COVID and because of chip shortages, you know, basically every game developer was like, I don't want to make a PS5 game. I want it to be on PS4 and be slightly better on PS5. So mm. probably if that hadn't happened we'd be seeing more worthwhile PS5 exclusive games at this point because there'd be more consoles. Maybe that's possible. I definitely think that was, you know, one of the things that we we're talking about at the beginning was like this COVID aftermath and I could definitely see it rearing its head in that way. But yeah, anime, what's up? What you got? Well, um, what's the question? 
I was going to talk show? about some anime of the year. Um, oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Does anyone have any anime of the year before I go off through the whole year? Spy Family. Spy Family. You know, Chainsaw Man. I like the manga better when I was reading it compared to watching the show. So I never watched I'm actually more gonna... than like four episodes. That's okay. Sorry, I was actually going to say, I'm, I'm going to jump off, because I have not watched any anime. I have even less to contribute to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh my god, anything I want to plug? Yeah, not, not at the moment. I write poetry about video games that I texted my girlfriend about, and she was like, please stop texting me about video games, and then I turned it into poems instead. So I have a few of those <laughs> published places. So. Let's go, dude. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Right on, Thanks man. Thanks for having me. Um, Spy Family, Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I didn't watch Chainsaw Man. I I want to read it, and I'm I'm stuck. I'm still reading Berserk, and I I feel like I can only do like one at a time. But uh, yeah, I I was actually just at a friend's house, and um, he wanted to watch Chainsaw Man. I'm not like fully caught up, but I watched. We ended up watching like the first eight or nine episodes like in a row, and I was just like, man, this shit just goes down so easy. Yeah, it really I don't is. know. I don't, I don't really know what to say about it. It's just, it's very enjoyable to watch. It's not like structurally perfect or anything. Like, you know, I, I, I wish we got more in the way of like the assassin lady, uh, your being an assassin, right? Like, usually just like beats guys up. Um, but like, it's just, it's just fun. It's very inventive and strange. I feel like everyone else's is going to be Chainsaw Man, though. Uh, Spy Family is pretty huge. I can yeah. see it being big. Um, on your endless. Um, let's see. Uh, a Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a good one. I I was not expecting to like that at all, and I just like slurped that thing down. It was how like, many episodes is it? Twelve. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's um. It also just showed like. It, it was everything I wished that the cyberpunk game was. Yeah. Like it covered so much of the same territory, like thematically, um, but just did it so much better. And with, with characters that are easy to like, yeah, which I think is, I mean, I only played a little bit of cyberpunk 2077, but like, I just didn't care about anybody. Yeah. Uh, which is weird for coming from the studio that brought you Geralt. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. They did. They kind of worked those guys. I don't know. Have you seen it, Michael? No, it's been on my list, but uh, I think just because did it come out in like a block, like all at once? Yeah, it's it's a Netflix production. Yeah, so they, they I think I was only watching like crowd. weekly stuff for throughout most of the year. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So what else? I still haven't watched. Um, what is it? Star Wars Visions. I've heard good things about that, and I do want to get to it at some point. I wasn't big on it. Not, I'm sorry, not not to. I mean, but yeah, go. Yeah, maybe maybe you like it. I was pretty disappointed too with that Ghibli Star Wars thing that came out a few weeks ago. Like I said, this where it was just like a basically. It's I called it like an animated logo. It, it just it's just I kind of that. like why this could have been an email, guys. I don't know. He didn't need to hype this up. <laughs> what about you, any Josh? You got any ones? Yeah, it was basically cyberpunk. Dress up, darling. Mm. Was that year this year? Yep, that was this winter. Jesus. Um, What's that one about? Dress Up Darling is about a two high school students where one is a guy who has grown up in a very conservative home who wants to become a doll maker, just like his grandfather. And the other is a girl 
who is like you know a gyaru type who is super popular but she's actually also extremely into otaku culture and cosplaying and then they meet um where basically she wants to make cosplay but she's terrible at it and he who has never made life-size human clothes before has all the skills necessary to make clothes for her and you know they have a symbiotic relationship where they have a great time together is it kind of like slice of lifey yeah it's very Mm. slice of lifey and the 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 main theme of the show is essentially like these two people who have nothing in common except for the fact that they both understand each other's passion for these very niche exactly topics and or uh hobbies uh and so they both like respect and appreciate each other for that and because of that there's this kind of like budding romance at least romantic vibe between the two um that is funny it's usually suggestive because it involves like and and or like sexually tense because he's making clothes for her that she tries on and she's very uh she's uh she's not self-conscious at all but so so she kind of like owns Mm. her own like sexiness or whatever but i think that's what's kind of fun about it is that the characters act in ways that are like realistic of younger of like teens and whatnot it's the main character isn't just like some creeper who's trying to like see this girl naked or something like that it's they're both just like people uh the show is like you know about sexuality in some senses but it's not a sexy show which is good yeah yeah it's also like really funny it's the main thing to me is it's just like fucking hilarious also it looks really great like it's a really nice looking show yeah yeah uh the only other thing i would contribute to the anime subject is that like this is the year i got pretty into one piece i know you did too josh yeah yeah god it's i really wish that i uh had watched more and or caught up um but you know what it's about the journey it's not about oh did you you fall off um i've somewhat fallen off but i i've always expected to like watch in large chunks because you can't just watch i don't know i I don't want to just watch it all in one in a couple months you know yeah um especially with like some of these arcs that are just so damn good i like that they like give you space between them to kind of like let it process and do something different um yeah it's just it's i don't know it's like a perfect it's a perfect show in so many ways like obviously fun, yeah but it's just it's great yeah i'm at um i'm at skypea so i'm at like like 178 or, or something like that okay and um I, i'm loving this arc uh i i but i i feel you like i i hit the brakes hard during alabasta mm-hmm. which for me just kind of dragged yeah um and i just i wasn't into the setting i liked vivi but like I don't know. A lot of those kind of perfunctory characters just weren't doing it for me. Um, this is 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 getting me going. Like I basically watch like four episodes a night. Okay, that's interesting because I know a lot of people hate Skypea. I will say, interesting. I, I didn't I didn't dislike Skypea, but what happens after Skypea is like way better. 50, 150 episodes of straight fire. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Skypea like works for me, I guess, just because I like like Sky Islands, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I I like Castle in the Sky. Yeah, it's like my favorite yeah. Ghibli. Uh, you know, excited for that new Zelda. So it's like okay, it's like an anime arc with these characters I already like set in this setting where you're trying to figure out like how do they translate the like mechanics of One Piece to 
a world where there's there is water but it's kind of different right um is is a lot of fun um and like one of the things i've been trying to figure out why this one works for me and, and why alabasta didn't because they, they both do the thing where like and maybe this is just common in one piece but they both do the thing where characters basically split up and so you're you're watching like part of the appeal of one piece is them hanging out yeah so when they're apart it's kind of like weird yeah um but here i don't know i, I find like the the antics and hijinks they get up to to be pretty compelling and you know i i think like the war that's happening on in the background maybe isn't like uh, I forget what they're called, the Solarians or something like that. Um, it's maybe not the most compelling thing in the world, granted. So maybe that's why people are kind of like, eh, about Skypea. But yeah, I don't know. One One Piece. It's kind of like all I can think about lately. Okay, well, I am, I'm stoked for you to get to the stuff that happens after. Because after that is like Water 7. But before that, there's like really good filler. Like extremely good filler. I liked the filler after Alabasta. Like I, I thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah, same. But this, the one after this is like also really good. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. So. I've, I've started getting like recommended freaking videos of stuff that happens later on. I know that's the hard part about One Piece is that like you're always going to see stuff that spoils big plot points for you in a way. But yeah, it's it's, it's right. like kind of fine because it's it a shonen, so territory. like obviously like they win all the time at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah, that's the that's the whole point of the show too. It's like How f- you know it's you could know what's gonna happen, but like the whole point of the show is just like watching these characters hanging out and having fun, and like yeah. go through these like moments of catharsis with each other, and when it and seeing like what their how their relationships are fleshed out is the real satisfying stuff and you're going to get to some of that like oh, so soon it's fuck and it and it does have a built-in mystery which is the premise of the show like going to find the one piece and it's kind of wild that like people still don't know like you know the show i know the manga is coming to an end um i don't know if that's next year or the year after that or whatever but like there's like a part of me that kind of wants to catch up at least with the show probably yeah. not the manga just to like be there when it when they cross the finish line yeah me um, too and i wanted to see the new far- movie and everything dude i almost went to see it but like i don't have because um they, they played it in a few theaters around me but like mm-hmm. I don't like know all like I don't know the skeleton guy yet. Like I don't I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. the robot the cyborg man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh <laughs> How far did you make it, Josh, before you, you, you dropped? I just um I just finished Thriller Bark, like the spooky one, the spooky arc. Is that like, you meet like how, how many episodes is that? It's a lot. It's it's like for me it was the hardest one to get through just because like i did not it again it like depends whether you like the setting and where they are and stuff and i just it was mm-hmm. not like doing it for me um mm-hmm. but i'm excited about what's next also we just got a comment from self-aware pedant uh clicks on goatee video it's about one piece the world is healing <laughs> yes sir let's go <laughs> absolutely i'm happy to bring that energy um okay let's uh let's wrap up uh, Ika, give us your picks. Okay, I'm just gonna zoop on through. I'll even I'll even post my list of things that I watched from this year. Okay. Um, um, from the Dude. winter season, uh, Dress Up Darling was good. Uh, Extraterrestrial, or sorry, the Orbital Children. 
Uh, have I you love watched Deno Coil? I haven't, but I really want to because I loved Orbital Children. Yeah. I feel like Deno Coil and Orbital Children have the same problem, which is that it's like, wow, the character is really interesting. I love the setting. I love the world. I love the tech. And then everything becomes magic so fast <laughs> that it kind of annoyed me a bit. I loved that about it. Well, then you might like Deno Coil as well. Because it's like, it's it's magic, but it's also like, at at the level of technology in the future, like, it will be indistinguishable from magic to the point where, like, we, we it literally has to be beyond our comprehension uh, to get to that point. And, like, I think it does a really good job of manifesting that in a, in a way that, like, seems to make sense. Um, I don't know. But I, I could see why it's... It, it feels like a bit of it's jumping beyond, you know, something that is relatable for sure. You know, overall I liked it, but, mm -hmm. um, okay. If you just want to go for like some tops of the year, yeah. Summertime render from this summer, extremely good. Hopefully people will be able to watch it. If Disney ever puts it on Disney plus not in Japan, um, uh, from earlier in the year, uh, Inuo, the movie, the uh, Masaki Yuasa movie, the last oh, one yeah. he did as part of, uh, I think it was still part of Science Saru. Um, extremely good. Amazing to see it in theaters. The exclamation marks are mine. <laughs> um, do you know what that one's about, Josh? Uh, does it have something to do with a dog? No. What is it I about? saw a trailer for this. Yeah, throw on a, throw on a trailer for it. Um, basically... It's about, uh, it's sort of like set in the time of like, uh, you know, the Heike Monogatari, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's about a sort of a monster type person, Inuo, who, you know, longs to be, you know, a no dancer, longs to be on the stage with a boy who is blind, who, you know, longs to become a musician. And they team up and they basically rock the world. It's sort of like a weird like rock opera set in Yield, Japan. And Whoa. it looks really good. It sounds really amazing. And um, it just goes places that you aren't expecting it to go, given that it's set in Yield, Japan, basically. Okay. I yeah. mean, if it's Yuasa, like you gotta you gotta give it a shot. You know It has some uh, basically like music scenes where they're like playing to a crowd. And it just goes on so much longer than you're expecting because they're playing a full song and a full performance. And, you know, I never got tired of it. Well, I mean, if those Snow White notes is any indication, watching <laughs> Shamisen played in anime is very watchable. So true. Uh, other great things. Yeah. Summertime Render is just like an extremely, extremely good, extremely watchable um, sort of uh, science fiction-y action show with like you know it's got some mystery it's you know about a person who's looping stuck in a time loop trying to go and figure out how to get to the end with all of his friends alive that sort of thing extremely cool extremely good apparently inuo's va is the person who's saying the devil man crybaby theme oh i didn't know that that's sick okay sorry go on um from the spring season there was some really amazing stuff there was dance dance dancer which was a show about a uh, boy in junior high who used to be really into ballet, but he thought it was, you know, lame now. But then, you know, a cute girl wants to get back into ballet with him. So he does it. And you know what? He discovers that he loves it all over again. 
And it's just so damn good looking. And it's got some really sick ballet. Um, gotta watch it. Uh, from <laughs> earlier in the year, Osama Ranking Part 2. One of the, you know, kind of a letdown. Too racist. Didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oot. Ranking yeah. Kings, yeah. I tried to watch that. I wasn't big into it. It's so I sad, think... man, because I fucking love the first part of it. And it just, like, kind of dropped the ball at the end. It's really unfortunate, but it happens. It it happens, and it happened. <laughs> um, uh, you know, a Cubby Chan sailor uniform was probably my favorite thing from the winter season. It was really good. You know, extremely slice of life. It's about a girl who lives in the country, who goes to an all-girls school. And it's just one of the prettiest shows I've watched, you know? Can't recommend that one enough, even though I don't think many people have watched it. <laughs> Um, I watched the first like episode and it was, it was a bit too, it just wasn't, it was too cute for me. Not that I'm mm -hmm. against cuteness, but I just, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the show. It was really cool, but yeah, I tried yeah. watching Nietzsche Joe, I think this year <laughs> and I kind of got that vibe, Josh. Like it was like, I know a lot of people loved it, but whoa, that's your tread carefully. Katie's not here, but she, loves I didn't like Nietzsche Joe, Joe either. All right, all right. This that. is the hater circle for Nichijo. <laughs> but I love Boy Nichijo. Danshi Kokosei no Nichijo. Very good. Have either Didn't of you even watched know that existed. Like, no, so it's sorry. not related to Nichijo at all. It just okay. happens to be called the Daily Lives of High School Boys. So, you know, it's Boy Nichijo. And it's just like a... It's based on a four coma uh, gag strip. And it's just extremely funny. You know? Yeah. Watch it. Everyone out mm. there, watch it. Uh, summer season didn't have that well it was summertime render that was the good thing from the summer season and then this season it's actually got like a ton of crazy stuff um i've been enjoying the hell of blue lock even though you know i mentioned in the uh, discord haven't heard many people talk about the anime but it's sick josh you know it's got some great you know um you know sports anime ecstasy moments you know <laughs> i watched the first episode and it was like this is this is a lot. It, it's a lot. I, I'll I'll watch more, but the Squid Game survival game thing is after watching Kaiji, like you know, and Squid Game. How much how much survival game do I really want in my life? You know, um, you know, enough. You know, I'd watch Batum again. You know, I'd read Liar Game again. You know, it's a great concept. <laughs> it makes I tried the playing. That much sweeter. I tried playing Danganronpa this year and. Yeah, I I was just kind of like burnt out on the premise from the word go. Just in that's this this kind of like survival game kind of thing. Hmm. I'm ready for Danganronpa three. You know, it came out like eight years ago. I haven't played. Yeah, it that, that one's old. Yeah. High school boys' <laughs> life. It's extremely dudes rock. First up has them getting bored and cross dressing, not because of gender, just bored. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's, yeah. I... Um. Y'all read Goodbye uh, Airy is what it's called that's the, oh, that's the the fujimoto one yeah. shot that came out this year i don't know why so i thought it was called an airy high yeah that was uh he's the guy that did chainsaw man the, and this was actually my intro to i guess the fujimoto verse i thought that this was pretty amazing i don't know if you read this josh no i've been reading fire punch and i like the first volume of that i don't think that one's gonna get an anime so i'm gonna read that anyway you know my opinion on chainsaw man is the first three episodes weren't that great <laughs> i agree yeah yeah that's why i want to read it I, I feel like i've heard like enough middling things All about the, the everything since the 
third episode has been dope. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Mm. I'll give it another try then. Dude, the uh. the the most not this week's episode, but last week's episode had like some of the best animation I've seen. I liked it better than Demon Slayer's animation. Like obviously had money to spend, um, but I feel like I like the way that it depicts motion uh, better. I don't know. And mm. I also like that the fighting, the action in the show isn't like narrated all the time like most shonen. It's very just like let the action happen. I'm I'm almost like waiting for them to say like he's so fast or something like that, but it never comes, but it, it you're thinking he's so fast. He did he just in the time that I huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's dope. It's dope. <laughs> and it's like it's not afraid to uh, kill characters. Not that that makes the show good per se, but it's it's nice to feel like anything can happen in the plot. I like yeah, that. I mean, like, I did not stick it up with uh, Attack on Titan at all, but, like, those first <laughs> ten episodes or so, there's, like, a real sense of, like, stakes in, in a way that you don't get a lot from popular anime. Yeah, this Attack on Titan was is good is so good dude like i hate to say it but that show it's gone to a place where i'm just like all right we're here like the 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 stakes are as big as they can possibly be and it feels like anything can happen and uh it's it's the shit i'm looking forward to the final season part three the final final slash underscore final yeah same uh, but what else was I going to say? I was just going to say that um, for Chainsaw Man, I was like, you know, high expectations just because it's been hyped up so much. And then I was like, it's going to be like a big budget, you know, whatever. I'm excited to just like watch something really nice looking. And then I was like, this looks nowhere near as good as Jujutsu Kaisen. That's too bad. Um, so it's just one of those things where I have to, you know, recalibrate my expectations and be like, you know what? This isn't going to be the best looking show of the season. We've got Mob Psycho already and Bochi the Rock already. So this is, you know, if it's a third, then that's good enough, probably. <laughs> I haven't seen Bochi the Rock. It's, you know, it's like a slice of life about a girl who's a big introvert who is asked to join a band and comes out of her shell or whatever, maybe. But it's just like, it's extremely funny. It looks like so good, like lots of like in-camera zooms, lots of like, you know, great acting, lots of good facial expressions, lots of like, you know, I was just watching like episode three and there was like, you know, mixed media of, you know, her like, you know, singing and, you know, thinking about, you know, real life fields and stuff like that. Like, um, it's just super inventive and really fun. Like, I don't know, I can't recommend that enough based on the first few episodes that i've seen all right um yeah so anime is good you know i agree that's my opinion a lot of good stuff this year that i really really was into much to run through yeah and always if you run out there's always one piece you know you know in fact i would you know i would recommend watching one piece before every other anime uh, I'm gonna finish. You know, I've only watched two seasons of Golden Kamui, and then season four is already airing. So you know. Okay, you gotta catch up on that. All right. I know somebody that like is so adamant that you should read Golden Kamui and not watch it. That they're like, don't even talk to me if you watched it. 
Well, the anime owns, so the manga must be really good. So I hear. Or it's really bad. <laughs> or you'll think it's really bad. Yeah. The, those kind of like built up expectations kind of things. See, like One Piece, I didn't have any expectations for. I kind of assumed I wasn't going to like it. Same. Totally same. And then, and then it was like, oh, this is the blueprint of storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I was just like watching this video. Speaking of like watching spoilers on YouTube, uh, of like all the like the ways Oda like threaded in ideas for characters and and their backstories that get paid off like 500 episodes later it's like like apparently he's been thinking about this world since he was like a child it, it um, totally i could totally see and i could i could i've tried to think about this like logistically into my head like how would you have possibly done done this shit because like they're referring to characters that they haven't like brought up in such a long time and it's really just like you know maybe it's like oh this character just still exists in this world and i still remember this person and you should too and then he just brings them back and you're like god this i wanted to see this person again it's, it's let's catch up you know it feels like you're meeting an old friend or something it's just it just cares about its characters like they don't just disappear and go into nothingness you know yeah, like they, uh, after the Alabasta arc, you know, cro uh, Crocodile's dead. And you get this, like, very brief scene of the other, I forget what they're called, like, the Warlords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, dude, I can't wait in 250 episodes for this to, this, this <laughs> domino to begin to fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. It, it feels so like expertly orchestrated it kind of boggles the mind yeah it flexes its scale like that all the time where it's like you just watched this 200 episode arc and he was fighting one guy and then he's like one of seven guys like at this level yeah. <laughs> you're just like wait what um, yeah like uh, i started reading berserk this year yeah and i felt like the way the uh you know obviously everybody talks about this but the golden age arc kind of paid off a thing that i don't even think initially kenta armira was setting up with with guts's like extreme disdain for uh griffith yet you start to understand why guts is the way he is at the beginning of that manga after this like epic long journey throughout his entire life and it's just like man i don't even know how you begin to imagine this like grant level of granular detail it's yeah. it's really staggering and one piece is doing that at like you know it's less about character development more about like the world mm -hmm. but it's still there there's like a grandiosity of um of like realization you know I'll, i'm also playing like final fantasy 14 a little bit in the background they're and, totally like, companion pieces to me like yeah i see yeah. them both in the same realm because they don't like they don't forget about their characters like you're always the whole world is important but yeah i gotta yeah i need to eat some food before the round two so yeah do it man it was nice chatting nice Happy chatting to be on the podcast thanks for being on the game of definitely the man. 2022 episode this has been episode number 118 i think i'm gonna split this into two episodes and release them in a couple different weeks because this is already a whole ass episode um but yeah, nice. uh, for all of you here, thanks so much for listening to Bad End Podcast. Uh, sorry we've missed you for so long. 
Um, probably be off for a couple of weeks at the beginning of January as well, because I will be actually in Japan. Uh, but once I get back, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming, hopefully with Kyle. If not, then without for a minute. But Kyle does, he is planning on coming back. Um, but yeah, again, the show is possible thanks to listeners like yourself. Uh, if you want to be one of our illustrious, uh, in, in our illustrious Discord, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bad end. And uh, we will see you in about a week or two, whenever I put out the next episode. So thanks. Uh, thanks to Icaw. Thanks to Devin. And thanks to Zach for the cameo appearance. Uh, That's been... me. <laughs> Y'all have been great. And uh, is there anything that you wanted to plug? Um, yeah, you can just follow me at Risotto Stone uh, on Twitter. You know, Josh and I, we always chat about this, but but uh, working on videos, I, I do a little bit of YouTube on the side and i um, going to start churning out a couple things that I'm pretty excited about. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter to keep up with those. Otherwise, you know, just uh, just hang out online, whatever, you know, subscribe to the Super Culture Discord. It's, it's truly a uh, one of my favorite places online to hang out. The uh, new issue of Lock On has launched this campaign to uh, fund, and it's got all these fun little goodies. If you enjoyed games like Immortal or Cult of the Lamb, we got uh, some excellent little uh, treats in there for our deluxe edition. And even if you don't get the deluxe edition, uh, we got lots of writing. Our our good friend Reed will be writing about Postal in an extensive feature in the kind of standard edition of the new issue. And also, speaking of Lost and Cult, I have a uh, very fun uh, secret project cooking up with them for the new year uh, that has just moved forward today. And uh, if you follow me at uh, Zach Coatser, uh you'll be seeing more updates about that in the near future. Thanks, Zach. And go check out Lock On, of which Zach is an editor. And yes. uh, that's it. Yeah. Right on, man. Great being on here. Great finally getting to talk to you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Play Linda Cube when the fan translation drops. My game of the year. Okay. That's it. Oh, and uh, Garage Bad Dream Adventure is also a very good game. Not my top spot, but everyone play that new port that's on Steam. It's real good. All right. Thank you. And see you in 2023. Adios. Bye. Bye.